the key to making people uncomfortable is not to get into their wheelhouse, right? You have to create your own wheelhouse. Within three years of release, two out of three ex-offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon. Hello and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon Podcast. I'm your host, Michi J. I'm sure everyone has heard the tragic news about DJ Twitch committing suicide. DJ Twitch, in case you don't know, was a famous entertainer who came to stardom on the show So You Think You Can Dance. This is actually the place I got to know him. I really enjoy his his performances. He was a great dancer and I really enjoyed his personality and smile. But he also he also came to be a star on Ellen DeGeneres' show, too, as the DJ. First, I'd like to give my condolences to his family. With it so close to Christmas, it makes it especially sad because this is the time we celebrate the one who came into this world to save people like DJ Twitch. And that was to save the loss. News states that his suicide note referred to past challenges. All I can say is there must have been some current challenges as well, which leads me to bring on my next guest who overcame challenges while in prison. This is really significant to this news about DJ Twitch because my guest is also an entertainer. He went from a life of crime to a life in the prime. His name is Mike Alton, and he is a professional entertainer out of Vancouver, Canada, He spent 15 of his 46 years of life in prison and survived some of the hardest prison conditions by using his creative skills. Mike is also an author and co-wrote the book Dystopia, which depicts two individuals with opposite views of the prison system where one is positive and the other is negative. I'll get to my chat with Mike in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a fundraiser to help support this podcast. We have designed some great hoodies and shirts that displays the model for a prisoner's pardon. And that is, I rest my case on grace. The meaning is everything is dependent on the grace of God and there is nothing else that can solve whatever problem one may have. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and what we're doing here, please go to www.bonfire.com slash store slash prisoners pardon. That's bonfire.com slash store slash prisoners pardon. Thank you so much for supporting a prisoner's pardon in all what we do here. Now let's listen in to my chat with Mike. Do you have a loved one who keeps going back and forth to prison? Have you thought about how you can help them? Or maybe it's you and you have just gotten out of prison and need help yourself. Well, today we have here a special guest, Mike Alton. And Mike has done 15 of his 46 years alive in prison. 
Now, he was a career criminal who evolved into a professional entertainer. Now, his ability to, to survive some of the hardest prison conditions allowed him to take the next step in his life and put crime behind him for good. His realistic perspective on growth and his positive outlook on life has given him a chance to break free and create opportunities to be his true self. Now, join me in welcoming Mike. Hello. Hey, Mike. What's up, up, y'all? I thought he'd give you an American salute from Canada. Oh, yeah, he's from Canada. He's not from the U.S., you guys. Now, also, I forgot to mention that you are an author as well, and you wrote the book Dystopia. So why don't you talk about Dystopia for us, your your book? Yeah, Dystopia was uh, originally my friend Ed Griffin and I, who is from Wisconsin, the beautiful state of Wisconsin. He and I decided to write a book. And at the time, I was so damn angry at the system. And I was (laughs) angry at myself, not knowing who I was. And so this is true. We originally wrote this book as me uh, writing as an advocate for the system. And he was a starch opponent against the system and it was funny because the gimmick was here's a guy who is inside who was saying like you know there's some great aspects about life inside of prison and here's the guy coming from the outside who hated every ounce of the system and didn't see it as anything beneficial to to changing and making better humans right and so (laughs) it's really funny because yeah that was bad and and was funny because what i was truly trying to say and I didn't understand it at the time because I was so angry and frustrated being in prison, is that um, what I was trying to say is that there are aspects of being inside that if you really stop and take a look around and you start really trying to take time to fix yourself or to make yourself a better person, prison is one of the best places that you can do this, right? And so this is what I'm glad it's coming from you and not me who haven't been in prison, but, you know, sort of, but that's good coming from you. Go ahead. Well, and and what I found out was that, you know, the goodness didn't come from prison, but it came from the uh, ability to become self-aware in prison and the ability to uh, find your true self without the pressures of work and family and all these things, right? That that's what I ended up coming to a conclusion of is that it isn't the system that works. It's your ability to create your own system inside of you that when you leave that system, you have a better game plan than what that the prison system is giving you. Because, you know, you don't get a game plan from them. They don't teach you how to be better. You know, they teach you to come back is really what it is. I is think they set so you too. up to come back. I think right? so. And so what I was able to do in there was through writing and through just educating myself was I was able to find out who I truly was. And then when I got out, I got out with a, with a plan to you know to do better for myself without the need of the system so it was it was you know going through that first 300 page book that i wrote saying wow, yay system <laughs> well, and i tr- and i trashed it and i was like dude we got to rewrite this because this isn't working and so then we wrote our stories of how we uh, got we came into the system both him and i him as an ex-catholic priest and myself as a career criminal and how we were we we went through these certain lessons that happened while we were in jail and uh, and then got out and were able to be better people because of it because he did end up getting out too he just said i i can't have this anymore it's, the system is broken completely broken and you know he went in there trying to change the world and trying to change people you know one uh one person at a time through writing 
and he just got so much backlash and he just they said arts aren't the thing you know arts are horrible these criminals won't change because of you know drawing pictures and writing words and so he just he couldn't handle it and he had to he had to get away right wow this is you know i have got to get that because i think it's a wealth of information in there especially when you coming from that angle this is the best place because in my estimation it is because you you're at rock bottom yeah oh you know you you don't have this other baggage right now you can really start to focus on you know changing the things that went wrong so what um just still on the book a little bit what what was some things that stuck out to you that how you can look at being inside as a place as an opportunity to um not using the system but what you did personally to grow yeah well i'm a big advocate of growing alone and i know that a lot of people need to lean on people in life and to get by stuff but i'm i'm more of a i discovered that growing alone you grow faster you know it's kind of kind of like that old saying like you run with a uh you if you travel with a with a group of people you'll go slower but if you you'll move faster if you travel alone mm-hmm. and so i kind of picked up that phrase and ran with it and i thought you know there's little things that i got to get rid of in order to have a better life and one of them was uh people right people were were are as a, as an inmate or as a, someone in the system people will want you to stay at their level they never really want you to yes, come uh, on, get above it. Right? they <laughs> yes. don't want you to get above them because they are comfortable where you are at their level and so if you start moving up people will inevitably drag you down mm-hmm. and so i learned that really easy that you know if you're going to change you have to you know you have to get away from that right you have to not let people influence you so then i started getting into my own head which i was never before i was always especially in prison, you're kind of out there, you know, it's working out and putting on a facade and having a crew and all these stupid things that really don't matter, but they're, they're survival kind of tools in, in prison. Mm-hmm. And so what I started realizing, if you start separating yourself and putting yourself in your own box and like a solo box that only fits yourself, then you're able to get some sort of uh, introspection about yourself. You're you're able to go inside your head and really think about what makes you tick and what makes you happy and what makes you function better. And, you know, for me, it was writing. And, you know, what I started in there was funny. I, I created the prison newspaper. What? And yeah, I, I created a prison. It wasn't a job, but I, I needed a job. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a prison newspaper and I interview people. And, <laughs> and, I, and it was funny because I'd write recipes of like using all the all the prison canteen. Oh my goodness, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. And then I'd interview guys and then I'd do short stories and I print other guys' short stories, right? And then I found like doing that, it consumed so much of my time mm-hmm. that people just left me alone because they knew oh Mike's just doing the newspaper, right? And and so it was an easy uh way to kind of get out of that crew mentality, you know what I mean? And get out of that that pack mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, and then you know, that was that was a big way. And and I think that was honestly probably the best best thing that I could have done was I think so too yeah yeah um I have a brother you know and other people I know have been in and out yeah they maybe they was reading your prison newspaper recipes because they come out with some crazy crazy, re- <laughs> I mean, crazy like- what you can do with chef Poyardi, a piece of cheese you know like- <laughs> 
Oh, some wow. onions from the kitchen, you oh, know, wow. like it's crazy. It's yeah, some of it was <laughs> like, I, I don't know, but they swear mm-hmm. by it. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's funny. But you know, I think that was brilliant though for you to do that because it was doing all the things that you needed, it was sharpening your skill set. You know, you were getting a chance to talk to other people as well as do some introspection. And, and I, the and the mm-hmm. other thing, sorry to interrupt, the other Go thing ahead. was like was making people around me uncomfortable and and me just trying to find a way to make people uncomfortable and now i know that it's different in america as it is in canada but the most uncomfortable way to do things is to get involved with the church in in prison Mm -hmm. and so i got a job as the chapel clerk in the in the prison church (laughs) oh no what are you doing go ahead ahead. (laughs) And, and i did that because then people perceived me a lot differently Mm-hmm. Right. So they started to say, oh, there's Mike, the chapel clerk. So Mike, the chapel clerk doesn't want to get involved with stuff. He's working with the nun or with mm-hmm. the uh, Catholic priest. Right. Mm-hmm. He's working with all the different religions, Buddhas and Sikh and all that. Mm-hmm. So I had sort of a different um, people looked at me a lot, a little bit different than everybody else. So I would be the last guy you would want to bring on with some sort of activity. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was really a strategic you know, getting out of this frame of mind of being a professional prisoner is very strategic. You have to think about, you know, you know, what other people want from you and without insulting them or causing any sort of beef, you know, you got to figure out a way to isolate yourself from everyone. Cause that isolation is the key to everything. It's the key. Hmm, to interesting. You yeah. know, like we we're talking about today about preparing, like, uh, I, I think it's a battle. I I, I honestly do. And it's like setting up for the, uh, like a war. Yeah. And you saying this really doing some self-introspection is good and, and isolating yourself in a way where you can get a chance to, you know, and just get in a quiet place and just mm-hmm. look at yourself like a yeah. mirror and see why do you do the things that you do? Or can you even answer that? But I was thinking about what you just said, like, making people uncomfortable so you said that helped you i'm trying to get a better understanding of that you said so you you made people uncomfortable so they didn't invite you to different functions okay yeah see because you know in my experience especially being in around criminals my entire life like my whole life from a childhood was everyone Mm -hmm. i knew was a criminal Mm -hmm. and one thing about criminals is they're all creatures of habit um and everybody has their thing you know mm-hmm. and you know most criminals they want to include you because you have you you like the same things or you're into the same things you know it's kind of like you know when people who do bank robberies they hang out with other bank robbers you know or people who do drugs deal drugs they hang out with other drug dealers you know like mm-hmm. it's just one of those things so the key to making people uncomfortable is not to get into their wheelhouse right? You have to create your own wheelhouse. And so that people with like-minded ways will come into your wheelhouse because they're in the same frame of mind as you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting, making people uncomfortable is like church, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, this, you know, you try to invite a thug to church, it ain't gonna happen. Maybe he went, maybe he went with a kid with his grandma or his (laughs) mom and dad, Right. But as he gets older and he's on the street, he's not going to church. He's not going to church anymore. So, you know, that was a very uncomfortable situation. And so anyone that I ended up associating with in 
prison was involved somehow with the church or with volunteer services or you know with counseling services or something like that right mm -hmm. so it was uh that was what i meant by uncomfortable the other oh. uncomfortable yeah okay. the other uncomfortable is like writing so we created a creative writing class and you know writing was writing asks you to become vulnerable right it's kind of like doing a podcast right if you're doing a podcast you you ask your guests to be vulnerable and to to give you the best content that you can get. Mm -hmm. And writing is the same way. We don't ask you to just write, you know, street stories or whatever. We want you to dig deep and you know build character and tell us tell us some deep storytelling, right? And and so writing was scary to a lot of guys, mm -hmm. right? It was either they weren't you know they weren't able to write, maybe they weren't educated enough, or maybe they just weren't being able to be vulnerable. And so that's uncomfortable for people. So me putting myself in those spaces really eliminated a lot of people in my life. Wow. That was like, I like the arts and um, I enjoy writing too. And it does make you, you, you're, you're speaking facts for sure. You know, it makes you uncomfortable. And it, um, I find that I, people can get to know me better when I write. And yes. instead of me just talking, if they read my material, they get to know me. Um, better than me just talking to them so yeah. that is like interesting so you yeah. did a prison newspaper that's it yeah. I didn't know that that's funny they but, did uh, <laughs> I invented it did you have cards <laughs> did you have cartoons or in there I'll just I I did everything I had cartoons I had like funny stories I had newspaper I had people selling stuff uh you know yeah, out of here you had John yeah. Craigslist in there classifieds yeah you know? I did it all. it's I had to justify it and it's funny because I had to somehow get a computer in my room so oh, I was like that got to be Canada that's not here <laughs> no it isn't right so I was the only one with a computer in my room because it was my job and what that allowed me to do was actually write and teach myself how to write you know wow. so so it was it was major manipulation, but you know, it's that's the other thing. It's like you know, hmm. is finding out what is really good for you, what tools you need to get through this, and use your powers of manipulation for good. It's funny because I used to go to the shrink there <laughs> and uh, and the psychiatrist there, and they would tell me to go sit in that chair and don't cross the line. Uh -huh. And they let me sit there for about 15 minutes. And eventually my doo -doo -doo, I like, I can't handle this. I get up and I walk over the line. Mm -hmm. And then she came out and she goes, why'd you walk over that line? And I'm like, well, if I knew it was a test, I wouldn't have walked over the line. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? You're, you know, you're manipulative, you're charming, you're glib, you're all these things, Mike, but you got to use those things for good. Exactly. Evil, right. And so I started learning in prison. Okay. I'm going to use these, these uh, <laughs> things to get my way to change my life. And that's how I got the computer. Right. That so. is good, good advice because you know, <laughs> And we, we do have a lot of brilliant people that's locked up and they're not using it for good. Yeah. But once they switch it around, they can, I, I think they're, um, they are the ones that will make a difference in our society. If we help them use their own abilities and their capabilities just to, to help them get over this obstacle because they do need to understand that they need to get past this in order to utilize their, I believe their God-given talents. Like you, you're, you're just naturally funny, yeah. you know? And it's just amazing way. I'm still like a, a prison news. <laughs> I'm like, that's brilliant. I, I wish they would do something like that. Yeah. Now, um, what if you're outside? 
what would you do? So you talked about a little bit inside, like you would get and uh, cultivate your own skills and knowing how to um, do some introspection and stuff. So how did that work when you got outside? Were you still able to do that? Because you still need to to do some of these things that you were practicing there. Um, you know, I was lucky. I had a bit of a support system when I got out. Um, I had some people who were able to help me and just kind of make sure I didn't go astray. But I almost did a couple times. You know, mm -hmm. I almost when I got out, I was still stuck in my old kind of thinking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, even though I just finished 10 years to the day, Mm -hmm. I, I, I still got out and I was still very uh, insecure about my abilities and what I could do. And mm -hmm. I felt really sad. You know, I didn't have connection with my family at all. I still don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it took me probably about five years to get over everything mm -hmm. uh, and to get through everything and finally get out of that frame of mind. I think it takes about five years to get out of this mindset of, of being a criminal. So it was creating a priority list and to be careful, not of, uh, of wild dreams, right? Like Nas said, street dreams, you know, street dreams. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't have street dreams, right. Have I've reality. never heard that before. <laughs> no street dreams. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that, and that's a problem. You know, you get out and you're like, man, I got all these dreams. I can go do this. I can do that. I can do this. Right. And it's not realistic, you know? And I started to ask myself, you know, what's my priorities in life? You know, mm -hmm. what do I really need? Right. I need, and it's basic identification. I need identification. Okay. So, you know, and it's, you know, these things that are provided by the system and that you need to, to get ahead, we tend to forget about them. Driver's license, social insurance number, you know, uh, you know, medical card, you guys don't have that, but there's all these little things that you need to get that give you advantages in life when you mm -hmm. have them. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was the first thing I did go out, get all my identification. And that took me like months to do anything you can get to mm -hmm. make yourself part of society. That was like number one priority. And then, you know, it was all these other little things that you need to get, get a job, you know, um, you know, people always say, well, I need to get some education. Well, that's not reality when you mm -hmm. get out of prison, you're, you, because that takes months and months, maybe years. Mm -hmm. And that's where guys tend to fall off because I did that. You know, I got out and went right into school and right. thinking, okay, I need to go get an education. I went in right into school and I wasn't able to finish it. I had to drop out. They didn't because, have an education in there? Well, they do, but they don't have like a formal education. Well, they used to have welding courses and teach guys trades. And then uh, because of politics, all that was taken out. I did a, wow. I did a journalism course while I was in there. And then I did a, a exercise, like a fitness course. Yeah. But I, but I couldn't go out of the prison to finish the examinations and to do all the things they wouldn't let me out oh okay so i had to stop stop it right so there was that obvious barricade of like having to go out to classes and go and do things in the field that just weren't happening um, right right and i probably could have like straight up i probably could have been more driven to do it but what i realized now is that it wasn't really what i wanted i was just in jail trying to get out so i was trying to find a way to get out you know what i mean like trying to do something i felt was me but i realized it wasn't me right um and so you know getting a job and getting into something that i was good at was also the other thing you know it's mm -hmm. like not settling just for a job that was going to make me miserable it was about getting out and like okay what are you good at mike like what are you good at? you're a writer you know you're an artist you're an entertaining guy like let me see if i can get into into a job that way right I, and I did. I was able, I was lucky. I was able to find it and start working in bars and being comedian and stuff like that. Right. So, 
I got I got really fortunate that way, but it was really about priorities, you know, is what is going to not make not necessarily just make you happy, but what's going to help you take steps away from the prison doors, you know, what's going to keep you away from that revolving door, right? What can you do to little by little to to kind of give you an advantage in life, right? Right. And you just naturally, I'm glad you found it. Um, because you know, talking to me or someone like we can we can just see it. You look like you're born entertainer and um, look like you can just do stand up or anything. And I've, I, it's just like I see so much of that with um, the people that's locked up. I'm like, wow, it says they're so talented. They have yeah. this, they have that going. It's just, it's not lack of skills no. like that. It's just neat, needs to be nurtured and, you know, and encouraged and grown. And so that, you know, they, they have some security in that to understand that they have value that we really need, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that people in prison, you know, the advantage that you have of being in a life of crime and being in prison is that you've experienced hardship in life. And we, most people in prison come from a really crappy background in life. They yeah. had really horrible childhoods or they've had, traumatic experiences that they're unable to get over and you know one of the greatest some of the greatest comedians in life have had these really crappy starts in life and have had hardships and you know that's why you know you always meet so many funny guys from prison or so many artists you're like wow that's just mind-blowing art that you you can do mm -hmm. right like yeah because they're able to dig deep and to bring that out in the arts right they're not maybe able to do it speaking and you know you can't just go get a job and say hey i've had this crappy life because then everybody judges you and it just makes it uncomfortable mm -hmm. but you know the arts is the missing link it is the missing process yeah. that prisons need to adopt and and put into programs you can put guys through cognitive thinking programs and drug and alcohol programs and all these things you know will help them deal with issues but helping them harness the pain and turn the, and converting that pain into you know a profession or into something that is actually cathartic and will actually help them function in life is the secret and i don't know why they haven't figured that out i think that's an excellent point because i do remember saying you know the artwork come out of there is amazing how mm -hmm. they can draw i'm like who drew this and just the skill and it, it's just like it always amazes me that i'm like why are they could be doing paint. I mean, they do paintings of people and yeah. portraits and stuff. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. That is a, a big missing link. One thing you had told me, you said, get rid of everyone negative in your yeah, life. It's big. Old friends, boyfriends, yeah. girlfriends. girlfriends you even said some family too. That's, yeah, yeah you, you making sure. If yeah, if you have a brother or a sister or somebody that's in that's still doing criminal things, you definitely don't want to be around, especially if you just, you know, if you're on parole or something. Stuff yeah. like that can easily like stick to you just because you have that background. So yeah. yeah. I just I just think like, you know, you're born alone, you die alone. I know that's a pretty savage comment, but you know, you're born alone and no matter how many people you always have around you, you still go to bed alone. Like everything you do is alone, alone. Mm -hmm. We we search for people because 
I, I think people search for people because while loneliness is a big factor, people aren't able to deal with being alone. Um, you know, I think that, you know, people it, itself, like I said, really don't want you to grow. It's hard for people to see you, you know, rise up and not take you with them. It's, it's hard. It's just, a, it's a human thing. I think everybody's guilty of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more that you can do things by yourself, the more you will get accomplished and family is the biggest one because we're always like, man, we need family, but I'm not in that same thinking, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, the, the less you have, the better you are. And that's with possessions, with people, with anything, you Mm -hmm. know, the less that you carry with you, Mm -hmm. the the better, the farther you will go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of negative feel. Like it's hard to stay away from people like it's hard especially people that say they love you or that you think you love but you have to do this real one exercise and this is basically what I did is I I stopped and I started looking around me at my friends and family and and asking questions about Mm -hmm. where their direction is in life Mm -hmm. you know like what do you want to do with your life like you know I even asked questions like let's say you won the lottery tomorrow like what are you going to do with it Right. And you can tell a lot by people's answers of what their views on life is if they're going to actually fit into your life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I created this program for myself. This is my show, let's say my TV show. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay, you know, who am I going to have on my TV show on a weekly basis? Right. Because it's my co-star. Right. Who's going to be here on my weekly basis with me? And I started finding out characters. Does this person, is this person going to make sense on my show or not? It's, I know it's crazy, <laughs> but that's how I started looking at it. And I whittled, you know, 20 people in my life down to three people. Mm-hmm. And to this day, these three people are still in my life. We're all focused, going the same direction. And mm-hmm. there's no wavering off of, you know, our, mm-hmm. our, our path. Right. Right. And, yeah. and it was the toughest thing to do. It was, it was one of the time I've had friends for 25 years that I had to ghost basically and just <laughs> walk away from. And it's, and it's so savage in a weird way, but it's only, it's only savage because you convince yourself that it's the wrong thing to do. Like, Oh, I know this guy for 25 years. I can't just walk away from him. It's like, yeah, you can, if you love yourself and you care about your, you surviving yourself rising up to a level where you don't have to go back to prison. You mm-hmm. have to do these things, right? Yeah, you do. And I, I totally, I, I agree with that. I don't not so much totally with um, being by yourself because I'm going to go back to what you said. You do need a support system, but you do need to like what you were saying, characterize them like your show and you need to understand where they're coming from. And if they're a bad influence, you do need to get, you know, to distance yourself for your own sake, your family's sake and other, you know, relationships. But yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. So because you did have to, you did have a support system because we yeah. all need people um, because it's not what you know, it's who, you know, make sure it's the right people. <laughs> so yeah. that's what they need to make sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and also, you know, I'm not dis- discarding the support system because I believe in it when you first get out, you 100 percent. But you have to train yourself to be non-dependent. You can't well, be dependent on people. No, Mm-mm people will let you down and more so you won't you won't get strong on your own that was part one of my chat with mike as you heard canada is very different when it comes to prison life for instance mike being able to do a prison newspaper 
What we're seeing here is a firsthand account of how arts can be used in prisons. What Mike did there, he was able to do this newspaper and it kept him out of trouble. Now, there's still more to hear from Mike, so tune in next week to hear part two. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonerspardon.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.